0: Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. Good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? Y'all ready to worship Jesus with us? Yeah, his, his, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And, and I think that we can so limit ourselves on our understanding of freedom that we only see it sometimes at the layer of what we've already experienced. And instead of seeing it, what we're about to experience, right? And so in this room right now, there's freedom. The Spirit of the Lord is here, and he's He's glad that you stepped into a, an element or a layer of freedom that you're already walking in. And he goes, hey, there's more. I've got so much more. That verse that says he will do infinitely more than you can ask, think, or imagine has really been in my heart and so often. and he's going to do infinitely more than I might ask, think, or imagine in terms of freedom in Christ, in terms of wholeness, in terms of healing of a broken heart, in terms of healing of a broken body, in terms of your identity of what you've come out of. And he's like, man, you've got this, you just got this nugget of the element of how I see you and how I view you. And he says, and that's good, but I got more for you. Come on. Y'all ready to get in the spirit? Why don't y'all stand up with me? I'm not here to preach at you. I'm here to I'm here to exhort you to step into an encounter with the Lord that will so radically transform you you won't recognize yourself of how you walked in this morning, right? Because he took you from a place of glory and he took you to more glory. Let me hear you say more glory. More glory. His goal is always going from glory to glory to glory. And what it requires of us is what? Surrender. What's required for surrender? Trust. John thirteen thirty four. 34. We had the blessing of being up at Sozo Church this weekend with uh, one, of, one of somebody that mentored us into freedom ministry, uh, Bob Hamp. And, and Joel, Pastor Joel, read the verse of John thirteen thirty four. He says, Behold, I give you a new commandment. What was that new commandment? He says, Love others as I have loved you. It was amazing is, is we give out of what we've received. And so what we have to do, we just have to turn on a receiver. Sometimes the reason we've turned our receiver off is because what we've received from the world was not good. But the Lord says, don't turn off your receiver because that's the way you receive my goodness. That's the way you receive my love. And then the overflow of what you've received, you give away. So, want you just go and close your eyes right now, and I just want you to sense Him in the room this morning. I don't want to get into a place where it's like I'm about just my feelings, but it is what I'm perceiving. Jesus, you're near. Jesus, you said where the Spirit of the Risen Lord is, there is freedom. And it was for freedom, Paul says, that you set us free. So Lord, would you just pour out your spirit in a way this morning that we've never experienced before so that we can step into a level of understanding of your love. Just say it right now, say, Jesus, Jesus. as as an act of my will, I receive... Receive what you want to give me. What you, you want, want to give. give me. So release the baptism of love now. Release right now your wholeness, Jesus, and we receive it. Transform us from the inside out Because we're receiving your radical love that never runs out. It never runs dry. It's never conditional. And it's always all-sufficient for every time and every circumstance. I just declare over you this morning, you can hear my voice, whether it's on the live stream or here present, You are a son. You are a daughter in whom the Father loves and is well pleased. And you bring great joy to his heart. And he just wants you to connect with his heart this morning so that you move out of survival And you move into abundant living. So just come Holy Spirit. Say it together with me. Say come Holy Spirit. Have your way completely within me. And we just declare this right now. The mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said. Hey, let's worship him. Sustain this place forever. thing the Lord has been really impressing upon my heart is he's really serious about what he's already accomplished in the verse of Luke chapter 4 he comes out of the desert place where he was tempted by the devil and it says as he goes to the synagogue as was his custom and stood up and read you understand that not just anybody could walk into the synagogue be handed a scroll and be expected that they could read so he was a rabbi. He had authority to be able to step into this place. And it says this, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him and unrolling the scroll, he found the place. Let me hear you say, he found the place. He found the place. Jesus is specific when he speaks a word. It wasn't that I grew up Catholic and so it'd have the, the missalette that would have this scripture is gonna be read on this day. And every, I mean, it had the whole entire year planned out. That wasn't what this was. This was Jesus coming with a heart of intention. I'm going to speak a appropriate word for an appropriate time. And he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He wasn't talking about physical poor. He's talking about poor in spirit. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. I also want to read out of the New King James Version. It says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I mean you say broken hearted. Broken hearted. This whole song is about Lord, I'm coming to you and I'm yielding. It's not just yielding yourself to a tyrant. What you're saying is, is I recognize within you, Jesus, is everything that I need for life. And you, Jesus, is everything that will tell me who I am. And you, Jesus, tells me everything. You makes sense of my past. And you alone, I yield my heart. And what I got the picture of in this morning is like the Lord is really serious about what he's already accomplished because after he reads the verse, he says, in your hearing today, this verse has been accomplished. It's been fulfilled. How many people know that when God speaks, it's not just for a moment, but it's the continuation of his voice that echoes throughout all of eternity. If I've already completed something, that means 1,000 years from now, it's still completed. And a 1,000 billion years from now, it's still completed. That's right. And on that side of eternity, it's still completed. But here's the thing that we don't get to do in eternity. Have a broken heart and have it healed. Because once you get there, boom, it's done. But here on the earth, We recognize, man, without you, I'm poor. Without you, my heart is broken. Without you, I'm held captive by a world system that wants to dominate me. But with you, my heart is healed. I'm released into freedom to be who you made me to be. And I'm now rich. I'm rich in love, I'm rich in compassion. I'm rich in forgiveness. I'm rich in all the fullness of who God is. So I just want you right now to take this moment. Go and close your eyes. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit this question. Because remember, the Holy Spirit leads you into all truth. Holy Spirit, is there any area where I've allowed myself to become poor in spirit? Is there any area of my life where I've allowed my heart, the brokenness of my heart, to become more important than the healing you wanna provide me? Is there any area, any belief system, any thought pattern that I've been captivated by that's not your thought pattern in your desire for me. And if you hear a voice that comes out like a voice of condemnation or shame or guilt, that's not the voice of God because that's not a fruit of his spirit. And if he showed you something in this moment, I just want you to say to yourself, I see what you're showing me. Now I want you to ask Jesus this question. What do you want to give me in exchange for the brokenness of my heart? What do you want to give me in exchange for what I felt so poor in spirit that I had no hope? What do you want to give me in exchange for what's been taking me captive? Here's what I want you to do. Say, Jesus, I yield, I yield. I I surrender what was never supposed to be mine. That was given to me from the world system. That was given to me from the world system. I give it over. I give it over, and I receive. And I receive what you want to give me. What you want me to be. I receive healing. And I receive for a broken heart. For a broken heart. I receive the richness. I receive the richness of your spirit. Of your spirit. I receive the freedom. I receive the freedom of your love. Now look at me. I want you to notice the order in this. I wasn't going to preach this until later, but I felt like the Lord said, this is the moment for this song. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He's hinted me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives. And look what it follows up. And recovery is sight to the blind. Yes, that is physical blindness, but it was also those who are so blinded by hurt, by pain, by offense, by the things of this world, that they could not see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And all of a sudden he says, now because you've yielded this to me, and you've allowed me to heal the brokenness of your heart, you've allowed me to set you free, now I'm gonna restore your sight to see as I see. To perceive the world through the lens of Jesus, not the lens of broken humanity. And he says, now, I'm going to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The Lord says you're acceptable to him. I want you to say that to yourself. The Lord Lord has has declared that this is my favorable year. This is my year of breakthrough." Breakthrough Into prosperity. prosperity. This is my year. This is my year of my breakthrough. Of my breakthrough into wholeness. Into wholeness. I will no longer be identified. I will no longer be identified by the orphanhood of Satan. By the orphanhood of Satan. But instead, I will be identified. But instead, I will be identified as a son or a daughter of the Most High King. As a son or a daughter of the Most well, Why don't y'all stand Lord. up with me right now? And I want you to celebrate right now the fact that freedom has come. We declare the acceptable year of the Lord. We declare the year of the favor upon your people. We thank you, Lord. You're pouring out your spirit. Pour it out now. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. Shut. He's delivering some people in this room. And you thought you had to confront a demon and all you had to confront was an old belief system that disempowered a demon from coming to mess with you. Shoot. So, Lord, we declare it is well with our soul, is well with our mind, it is well with our emotions. It's well with what we will because we will what you will. Now come and encounter us into deeper levels of the depths of what we just received in Jesus' name. Good. Well, if you have your Bible with you, I want you to open to a couple passages of Scripture. First one I want you to go to is Mark chapter 8. Put a marker there. Mark chapter 8. Mark it. And then flip back to Matthew thirteen thirty three, and keep it open there. I'll use, obviously, a few more scriptures, uh, but those are the primary ones. So why don't you just pray with me. So, Father, we just come and we say we open. Thank you what happened during worship. This is divine invitation from a good groom and an invitation to his bride to say, let's become one. I thank you, God, that your desire has always been to be one with us as we're one with you. And I pray, Lord, God, that you would just continue to communicate, that you continue to release the grace to step into the reality of eternity, which is oneness with you. So, Lord, as we hear your word this morning, let it penetrate deep. We thank you that your word is like a two-edged sword. It penetrates deep between the soul and the marrow, both the mind, the will, and the motion, but also the physical body so that it can reveal the intentions of the heart so those intentions of the heart can be brought into the intentions of your heart. So we thank you for your goodness and your grace and your provision. And we declare this in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, Amen. amen. I had to just... If you could, real quick, throw up the uh, schmores thing real quick. I just had a th- random thought. The, I'm not preaching about judgment, but that's what happens when you judge. Judge not, at least you be judged, because you're going to find yourself in the fire pretty soon as well. So just, just there's a freebie right there. It's like, oh, no, he's going he's gonna to call my mail out. No. Open up the Matthew 13.33. Here's, here's what the Lord is doing. He's been really communicating to me, especially these last couple months, as we were transitioning into a new season. Pat and Jim last week were amazing how many people enjoyed Jim and Pat. Um, J- Pat said something about that the last season was a mercy season. Let me hear you say mercy season. And, and that's absolutely true. The mercy of God or the goodness of God is what leads people to repent or change the way they think. And too often about repentance is we think repentance is, is I'm going one direction. I discover I'm doing a wrong thing, bad behavior, and I have to turn around and start going the right thing or the right behavior. And what we don't realize is that view of repentance is actually going back and forth between the knowledge of the good and evil, right? Oh, I'm, I'm eating from the fruit of evil, and then I come over here, and I've got to eat the fruit of good, and we don't realize it's on the same daggum tree instead of being brought into the tree of life. And so the Lord's wanting to bring us into this place of repentance, which is this, I realize the way that I've been brought to think, the way I've been brought to perceive the world around me is not actually the way that the Lord thinks and perceives. And so this idea of repentance is, is I have an encounter with Jesus, a truth of who he is, and suddenly I discover something new that says, oh, I have to yield that over to you, so why? Now I can step into what the reality is of who he is. Because the reality of who he is is the reality of who I'm supposed to be and who I've made to be. And it's not about behavior, although behavior is the outflow of your identity. It's the outflow of your, of your source of life. And that's why when discipleship is primarily about stop doing the bad things, stop sinning, we keep people into a cycle of the knowledge of good and evil rather than let's teach you what's live about you, what, how Jesus called you to be alive, fully alive. Let me hear you say, if you're born again, say, I am. If you're not, we'll give you an invitation today to become born again. But if you're fully born again, guess what? That means you're fully alive. Let me hear you say I'm fully alive. The Bible says you've been given everything you need that pertains to life and godliness. I love that. God's like, there's not a single thing you're going to encounter in the course of your life that I haven't given you full provision for. And on the flip side of it, there's not a single thing, a single question that you have about who I am and my goodness that I will not answer to you. Sometimes we go, well, I asked God all these questions. He didn't tell me. You were asking about circumstances. But he says, if you seek me, you will what? what? What happens when you find somebody? You know them. You discover them. You begin to understand how they think and how they believe and what the heart compassion is. This is why Jesus, at the, at the, during that last, uh, last supper moment where he says, hey guys, I, I'm going away. And they're like, oh my God, freaking out, what's going to happen? He says, but I'm preparing a way for you. I'm preparing a way for you. And we think that is a pathway to heaven rather than understand. No, it's the way that heaven lives. It's the way the Father lives, the Father breathes, the Father loves, the Father has compassion, and yes, even the Father has justice, because justice is a part of the Father. All the ways that his heart operates, he says, I'm making a way for you, so I have to go to the cross so I can make payment, and then I'm going to make a way so that heaven can now invade earth and in you. And we think it's about a location rather than a relationship with the one who's going to fill you. And so I believe that the Lord is, there was a mercy season, especially during COVID time, where this invitation, come back to the heart of the Father. Come back to the heart of mercy. Come back and receive what it is to be fully loved. And there's this verse, actually I'm going to read that before I read this one. I read it to you when I was on the platform. John 13, 34 and 35, it says this, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another Just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Isn't it interesting? Just as I have. Let me hear you say, just as I have. have. You know what that is? A way. The same way I've loved you, love others. So what keeps us from loving others is we keep God from loving us. When I throw up, God, you can't love me like that. Because of X, Y, Z, you don't know what I've done, even though he knows what you've done, and he doesn't care. He cares what you've gone through, but he really doesn't care what you've done, because he's wanting to bring what you've done into the light of what he's done. Trying to bring what's been done to you into the light of what he's done for you. So he can do to you, instead of what the world doing to you. Does that make sense? So it's about receiving love. It's about if I can fully receive the love of the Father, now it's transforming me from the inside out. And, and we think it's all about this. Well, Lord, I've got to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the problem with that is, is I've got to do the thing. It's got to be how well I can love you with my thoughts. It's got to be how well I can love you with my emotions. It's got to be how well I love you with my will. I'm just going to uh, will it into existence. It's got to be how well I do it with me. And the Lord's like, "Eh, no, actually it's not. I've shared this story. I shared it with the guys on uh, Friday morning at Stephen's, the the Bible study. In fact, I encourage you, Friday morning, 6.30 in the cafe, show up. There's a really good thing from 6.30 to 7.00 thing happening. But Papa Jack, my spiritual father, was in the Alps many years ago, and he's walking through, and that time Jack was probably 84 83, 84 years old. So he'd lived a long life. He'd lived a successful ministry life. He'd already had the point. He passed away when he was 87. But he's having this conversation with the Lord, the beauty of the mountains, of the Alps. And all of a sudden, something comes in his heart. He becomes grieved in his heart. And, and the Lord goes, Jack, what's going on with your heart? And he goes, I'm supposed to love you. With all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and it grieves me to say that if I gave myself a report card grade, I could maybe give myself a B minus. And that grieves my heart that, that I could only get to that place in my effort to love you, and the Lord starts chuckling at him. Jack, my son, do you think I'm looking for your love? There's a song in the Phantom of the Opera that says, let me love you. God starts to talk to Jack and says, human love, it's up, it's down, it's in, it's out, and it's always highly conditional. I'm not looking for you to love me with that love. Let me love you, Jack. And with that love, love me back. And then with that love, love the people around you. It was transformative. I would have told you that I had already known Jack for years at that point. He loved well. But after that moment, there was a way that he loved that went to another plane that was absolutely pure and amazing. It's like the story of Bob Jones, the prophet, who always accurate. He had just a real perceiver. He'd had dreams, encounters, saw in the heaven's side of things. But he died, and and he's at the gates of heaven and Jesus has welcomed people in. And he asks him, Bob, how well did you learn to love? And all of a sudden, Bob just has this revelation. It wasn't the question of, Bob, do you know me? It was a question of, this, hey, while you were there, did you learn to love as I love? And he says, I'm proud of the way you've carried your life up to this point, but I'm gonna send you back because I love you enough to let you experience who I made you to be on the earth through the lens of my love that allows you to transform. So when Bob came back, people that know him well talked about there was a shift in the way Bob engaged, even in his prophetic words, words that might have been about judgment, things like that. But then all of a sudden, the love of the Father began to pour out, and he began to love and love well. And you know what what day he passed away on? Valentine's Day. It's so God. What, what if we made this thing about the earth is so full of crap and we've run, I'm going to use it, Bob, Bob Ham said, that, yeah, we've, it's, this world's so full of crap and we ran out of toilet paper. I'm yep. <laughs> like, God, that rapture has got to happen because it, it stinks, it's disease filled, it's, it's, it's all full of waste. And we've been calling, come back Holy Spirit, come rescue us from this crap hole. And I'm using that language intentionally because I want to irritate the religious spirit. I love you. Because I love people, I just don't like the spirits. And instead it's like, what if you saw the earth from the lens of love? John 3.16, what does it say? For God so what? The world. The world included lost people. In fact, every person on the planet, when that statement was made, was lost because the Messiah had not yet come. And yet, the overflow of his heart, he sent his son so that he could reconnect us back to the heart of the Father so that what? A new commandment could be given to us. Why could the, the commandment not be given before the resurrection of Jesus or leading up to the resurrection of Jesus? Because at that point, provision for sin had not yet been made. They lacked the capacity to be loved and connected to God on their own. But all of a sudden, the Christ comes. He pays the penalty. But more importantly than the penalty, we still focus on the penalty. How about we focus on the fact that he actually killed the separation Bob Hamp was teaching this weekend and was talking about neuroscience, and I love it. I I can geek out on that stuff all day. But was talking about a picture of a child. He showed a picture of his grandson who's less than 18 months old. And says, we know according to neuroscience that from age birth to 18, babies operate in the left hemisphere of their brain. I'm sorry, right brain. Right brain. Right brain. Left brain is logic put words to things, order things, but right brain is connection. And during those first 18 months, what's happening between the parents or grandparents or friends or whatever it is, is there's this connection. A baby doesn't actually have language. All they do is they learn in that moment what connection means between another human and themselves. And they have zero language. All they're doing is receiving the brain is flipped on to receive, to receive, to receive. And, of course, that's when abuse and misuse and neglect happens in that time frame. You have a child that grows up to be much, very much separated and have other issues. But the point of the matter is this. We have to come to him like children. We have to come to the Father and say this. I'm going to turn off the logic side of my brain because the world's not logical. When he says... I will use the foolishness of little ones to confound the wisdom of the wise. What he was saying was this. The wise might know a bunch of information, but they have zero connection with me. Somebody asked me one time, what about the verse that says, people were going to approach him in the last day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do signs, miracles, and wonders? And he's going to go, I never knew you. I was never connected to you. Was it on Jesus' end or was it on their end? They operated purely from a logical religious perspective that knew how to do the stuff, but they were not connected to the heart that motivated the stuff. God's wanting the bride to grow into a mature, beautiful, brilliant, compassion, one singular body made up of a whole diverse group of people. We're moving out of mercy, which was learned to connect, and now we're moving into, because you've connected, now it's time to fully demonstrate and communicate your connection with Him. That's why Jesus, um, He says, hey, I'm going to go away, and, I'm going to the Father, and and Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. He says, have I been with you this whole time, and you don't know me? First person, he has to see the Father, and he's like the Father through Jesus going, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Lord has taken us into a place of maturity where people see us and they see the Father. They don't see the Father that neglected them. They don't see the mother that yelled at them. They don't see the brother that abandoned them or made fun of them. They don't see the coworker that did this or this or this or this. They don't see that. All of a sudden, all the projections of their hurts and their experiences that they may project onto you, and in a moment, guess what? You're not reflecting their projections. All of a sudden, all they see is not a reflection, but a demonstration of the Father's face. You're not meant to be a mirror. Of God. He's supposed to shine from you. So, whatever's projecting towards you, hurts, pains, judgments, whatever it is, in a moment it encounters the light of Jesus, and this thing becomes so dim it cannot overpower the light emanating from your life. And they experience the Father. This is how you live out the new commandment. I give you a new commandment. Notice it's not a suggestion. He's saying this is a new way of living. But the reality is, it's the way that Jesus always lived his life. It's the way that the Father has always been in eternity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have always been in this perfect union of perfect love. And now we just have to learn to be loved so we can become love. I'm going to read that again. Matthew 13, 33. Actually, I never read it to you, did I? That was a good intro. The same. He spoke another parable to him. This is Jesus. It's it's such a short parable, but it's packed. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three portions of flour until it was all leavened. Jesus spoke another parable, Matthew 13, 33. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Let me hear you say leaven. Leaven. Sometimes he'll refer for the yeast later on. Yeast is leaven, but not all leaven is yeast. Just, just for context, right? The point of what he's saying is, is leaven is an activation agent. It, it's something that takes what is, and it starts a chemical process of transformation that, it, that the dough on itself cannot actually accomplish by itself. So therefore, you add leaven to the dough, and all of a sudden it takes what is so that it can actually be formed into what it's supposed to become. Have you ever just had a desire for freshly baked bread, And then somebody opens up the oven, and that that smell comes out, and you're like, oh, your dopamine receptors go off, and you're, I've been listening to Bob all weekend, so this is awesome. But you're like, I know what the bread tastes like. It's pleasure. With butter. butter. Sometimes cinnamon butter. I will rabbit trail really quickly if I don't bring it back. (laughs) Taste and see the Lord is good. But imagine if you open the oven, and it's been in the oven, and all you found was burnt dough. You're like, oh, I'm so disappointed. Do you know that's what happens to the world when they encounter a Christian who's not been leavened with the kingdom? We don't taste good. We smell. We're burnt. That's, why we, that's what happens when a fence hits your heart and you don't receive the healing for a broken heart. You allow the world to burn you. And so, therefore, the taste that people get from you is burnt. And they go, why would I ever want Jesus? Because people taste bad. Ugh. I'm just saying, what if we learn to love? And we allow the leaven of the kingdom to come into the dough of who we are in our hearts. And it begins to activate a transformation process. What's interesting about bread, I I talk about this in our membership class, but in order for a cake or bread to be fully transformed into what it needs, there's an instrument that is needed called an oven. What's an oven? It's an atmosphere changer. I take room temperature. And I create 400 degree temperature, atmosphere, and I take the dough and the leaven or the yeast and I put it into an atmosphere. And then in that process, what does it do? It begins to rise. It begins to grow. It begins to transform. There's a process that takes place. It's a chemical process. It takes what was and all of a sudden it takes two and it makes it one. Using the language some of our folks heard this weekend. And all of a sudden it grows up and I'm like, oh, that is good. I can smell it. I can taste and see that the Lord is good. So what's the atmosphere? What's the oven? It's surrender to His heart. It's coming into this perspective of letting God love me. It's taking the Word and reading it from the perspective of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit wrote it and He writes it on your heart where he begins to take where you've been hurt and he begins to write a love letter on top of it to the point where you can't even remember what was written in hate on your heart by somebody else because the love letter of God's heart has been writing all over your letter it's been transformed the kingdom leavens hits your heart and it begins to grow this is what the lord is doing in this season is he's taking seriously what he's already accomplished on the cross He's taken seriously the words he's already released about worldwide transformation. He's serious about seeing that fulfilled, some of it in our time, and maybe it's not fulfilled until four generations from now, but I'm telling you right now, we're in the oven right now of his heart and his love that's actually going to transform the world. But what we have to do is we have to be careful what leavens us. Flip it over to Matthew chapter 8. He has this encounter in Matthew chapter 8. There's one of two times that he feeds a multitude of people. This encounter is specifically 4,000 men fed. Well, that's because in the Jewish time they would have Uh, named or numbered only the head of household in that context. So this could be anywhere from 16 to 25,000 people that were fed in these contexts. It's a lot of people. And so they just have this context where they're like, man, they came to hear Jesus speak the words of life and they're out in the desert place. And all of a sudden Jesus has compassion on them and begins to realize they're probably going to be hungry and they're going to be tired. And he tells his boys, he says, hey, you feed them. And they're like, well, what do we got? You're the Messiah. And he goes, no, no, no. What's in your hand? Feed them. And they discover, okay, we've got some bread and we've got some fish. This is all we've got, but we're bringing them all that we've got. That's the key on this story. It's not just what Jesus does, but it was the fact that they withheld nothing. They co-labored with God. They held back nothing to say, I'm going to bring you everything that I've got and trust that you're the one that actually multiplies it. And so he brings it before them and then he begins to pray. He gives thanks to the Father and he says, Now you distribute it to the people. And so they're taking these out and they're handing out. They're taking it and they're handing out. And two uh, fish sandwiches become and they feed 25,000 people. It's an incredible encounter of the, the partnership of the compassion of Jesus. It starts with the compassion of Jesus. People were poor, people were hungry, people were thirsty. And out of this compassion, out of this love, I'm going to meet a need, but I'm going to meet it not just because I can do it, but I'm going to meet it in the very people I'm going to live and leave in charge of the planet. Because Jesus is going, it's better for you that I leave. And if I've been Peter, i am be like, are you serious? How, how are we supposed to do this? He's like, my spirit's going to come and hit you. But he's demonstrating what it looks like to love well. But look what happens after this. I want you to get to Matthew. I'm sorry, uh, not Matthew. We're in still Mark. Go down to Mark eight, verse thirteen. Eight thirteen. Did I say Mark earlier? Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. So I'll give you a chance to turn. Mark chapter eight, verse thirteen. And it says this, leaving them, he again embarked and went away to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. Verse 15, and he was giving orders to them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven or the yeast of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Let me hear you say the leaven of the Pharisees. So we know this is very much a particular group of people, this is the religious leaders. Okay? And we know Herod was actually king in Israel at the time, so he was a political leader. And he's saying, beware, watch out. What is that telling you? There's something that's going to try to influence you. Beware what's trying to influence you. And he uses the context of leaven of what is going to influence you. What is he talking about? Beware of the way that the Pharisees think. Beware of the way that Herod thinks. Translated, beware of the religious spirit. Beware of the political spirit. Because it can become leaven into your mind, your process, the way you perceive things. And if you're not careful, you don't have a political spirit now. You don't have a religious spirit now. But if you let the leaven of it get into you, pretty soon what's going to bake inside of your life is actually going to be a political bread or religious bread. It's kind of an interesting thing, condition of my heart. What's, I'm supposed to operate with the leaven of the kingdom, not the leaven of the world. And so if you've been a part of this church for any period of time, you know we talk about we're called to be the leaven of the kingdom into the world and all the, the places of influence. We're supposed to invade the political mountain. We're supposed to come into the education mountain or government mountain, any of those types of things. We're called to go into those places. But here's the thing. I cannot transform the political mountain under the political spirit. How many times have you voted for somebody you thought, they seemed like they had a real pure heart, and they did, pure motivations, here's my promises, here's what I'm going to do, and then they got into the swamp of the political spirit in D.C. It didn't matter if it's D.C. or Prague or London or anywhere else, anywhere there's a capital of human government, it's the same thing. And this person who had well intentions got into The swamp and all of a sudden a few years later you begin to see compromise and you're just disappointed and all of a sudden the swamp just swallows them whole. What was that? It was the yeast or the leaven of the political spirit that that whole place operates in. Instead of If I know who I am as a kingdom citizen and I operate according to the leaven of the kingdom, the only thing that's going to influence my heart is how Jesus thinks. The only way that's going to influence how I feel is going to be how Jesus feels. I'm so being built up every day with the leaven of the kingdom so that therefore when I go into an area that's operating with a different leaven or a different spirit, the spirit that's in me is greater than the spirit that's there. We always use that in terms of spiritual warfare or being attacked by the devil. And, oh, yeah, the spirit that's inside of me is greater than the spirit outside of me. And that's absolutely true. But it also talks about when we're going to go into a place and become influenced. make sure what you've been influenced is by the leaven of the kingdom, not the thing you're going to transform. So I'm just going to say this. Election season's coming up. It's time to vote. But vote... Because you've been consumed by the kingdom leaven inside of you that's given you wisdom and insight and knowledge and compassion that will actually allow you to vote, not because you're disappointed on what you see happening in your nation, but because you're excited about what you see happening in the capital of heaven. About 30 of you, you like that. It's okay. We we have to come into this reality. We're meant to transform. But we cannot be transformed by what we're trying to transform. Let me give you another one. Family. And specifically the church family. That's what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about the religious spirit. The religious spirit is actually the enemy. Of family, the religious spirit is the enemy of kingdom family because the religious spirit will always divide us into corners and categories according to offense rather than what Jesus has already provided. And in family, we operate out of this confrontation. You're like, oh, that doesn't sound right, I don't like to confront things or people. No, 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 you don't have conflict. There's a difference between conflict. Let me hear you say conflict. Conflict. What's conflict? One side's got to win, one side's got to lose. And it ain't going to be me that's losing. So one of us is walking out of here alive, the other one's going to die. That's conflict. You notice that doesn't sound like reconciliation? Like, well, I feel better. I've no longer got the issue that's been hindering me because I've killed it or the person that was bringing it to me. Instead of confrontation. Hey, this thing, when you say this, this is how it makes me feel. And it's dividing our connection. It's literally reaching into the dough of the family of the kingdom and pulling out the leaven or pulling the bread apart before it's had a chance to uh, to be baked into one single loaf. That's what it does. And so I come and say, man, When you did this, this is how it made me feel. And I don't want to be divided, but man, this is hurting my heart. And and you have conversations where you begin to confront. The religious spirit does not want to do that. The religious spirit wants conflict. It's all right, the lights are freaking out. I don't need the light. I've got the light in me, okay? So do you. Don't be distracted by silly things. You hear what I'm saying? I know what's happening, and I really don't care. Because I know what God's doing. Hear me on this. The religious spirit wants to have conflict. Just before in this verse, in in Mark chapter 8, listen to this. He just feeds 4,000 and he dismisses them. Verse 10, immediately he got into a boat with his disciples and came to the region. uh, I have a hard time with that one. Balmanutha. And the Pharisees came out and began to argue with him, demanding from him a sign from heaven to test him political spirit. Signed deeply in his spirit, Jesus said, why does this generation demand a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. What generation is he talking about? He's talking about the generation that operates underneath a political spirit, a religious spirit, any other spirit outside the spirit of Jesus. No sign's ever going to satisfy the point. He just multiplied bread and fish to 20,000 people. They didn't care to show up. They came to argue and to have conflict because his very life was actually pricking something inside them where they weren't comfortable anymore with their paradigm. And they didn't want an an answer from Jesus. They really did not care what he said. What they wanted to say is, I demand my way. But in family, this is where you see Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Nicodemus comes in on the cover of dark because he was afraid of the other religious people because they were eating him up to you. Man, Jesus, there's something about you. There's something that captures my heart when you speak. All of a sudden, I've been studying the law all my life. I've been trained up to look for the Messiah. And I think you just might be it. There's something inside of Nicodemus because he was not being carried by the religious leaven of the world. Instead, his heart was open for connection to the one true God. And because he had a heart that was open to connection, it allowed him to come to Jesus. And Jesus gave him the pathway to actually become born again. So here's what happens in healthy confrontation. Reconciliation ends up showing up. Two, two opposing viewpoints, two opposing issues, two opposing people who have their own hurts or pains or whatever, suddenly become one. One with the one who redeemed them. The ministry of reconciliation, it says this, it was as if God himself was in Christ Jesus pleading to the people, come back to connection to become one with God. And we, it says in Corinthians, are to be royal ambassadors that are likewise pleading on his behalf for them to be reconciled to God So they can receive the love of God, so that they could become one family reconciled together. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, beware of the yeast of the political spirit, Herod. Look what it says here. I'm just going to give you proof this is exactly what he was talking about. Verse 16 They began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. Isn't that amazing? They just watched them multiply it like crazy. You know what they're really saying? We missed the kingdom leaven. Point. Jesus demonstrated the bread of life to them, and they missed the point. And look what he says Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet comprehend or understand? Do you still have your heart hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand? How many basketful of broken pieces did you pick up? They said to him, twelve. And when I broke the seven for the four thousand, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said seven. And he says, Do you not yet understand? comprehension, the way you think, be transformed by the renewing of your mind to come into agreement with the leaven of the kingdom of heaven that will actually produce within you a way of thinking, a way of loving, a way of processing a broken and hurt world that's still broken and hurting and it's waiting for you and I to get over our brokenness so we can actually heal the brokenness of the world. But as long as we have a family spirit that actually wants to come in terms of conflict and judgment and condemnation, the family of God can never get out there and now we're left to saying, "Come back, Holy Spirit, Jesus, come rapture us out of this crap hole." And he's going, eh, "I actually made you to be leavened in the crap hole." <laughs> because when you encounter Jesus, what was is no longer there. there. The old is what? And the "what is come? The news come. So I'm just saying, it's time for us to love one another. And I'm not just saying it's something in this church. I'm talking about the body of Christ. I've had lots of conversations with lots of leaders. This is the thing that we're doing, especially if we come into election season. We've got to get our hearts ready to where we're not holding hatred to somebody who votes differently because we hate what it represents. Instead of going... I've got compassion because that's foolishness. But it's not going to cause me to pull away and not be leavened to them. I'm not going to become burnt bread to somebody I'm trying to reach. You hear what I'm saying? We have to be bold. We have to be courageous. And we've got to come to one another. So families... If you've got a marriage that's been hurting and, and neither one, you're so afraid of saying what's hurting inside of you because you don't want to see your family broken apart. And so you don't actually confront it because you're afraid of conflict that blows things up. It's time to confront the issue that will tear you apart if you don't confront it. And say, hey, I'm in this for the long haul. And I see that there's something in between us that's broken and hurting. And I'm not talking about abusive situations, by the way. Can I just say that right now? Somebody's physically beating you or verbally beating the snot out of you and is an unsafe person. I'm not talking about that. They're already demonstrating uh, leaven of the world. What I'm saying, though, is this. We hold on to some things. We need to reconcile the marriages. If you've got kids that you feel estranged from, it's time to call them up and stop waiting for them to show up. And if you have, do it. Keep doing it. And if they reject you, it's okay. You're doing your part to become leavened love them. This is why let God love you so you can love others. Notice what wasn't in that equation. And if they don't love you back, reject them. That's not what's in the scripture. Cuz no no longer do I need somebody else's love to make me feel loved. I've already received love itself that perfect love casts out fear. Fear of rejection, right? Fear of loss, fear of being left alone. It's like, no, I'm going to confront it because I'm already one with the one who redeemed me. I'm not alone. And more importantly, I'm in family. Yeah. Let me give you one more perspective. The Lord was just speaking to me about this. Flip over to Ma- uh, Mark chapter 9. It should be the very next one. And I, want you, I never ever would have read it through this lens until this week. Where do I want to start? How much time we got? Okay, I'm gonna to go to the end. So let's go over to. Let's go to verse thirty-five. And sitting down, Jesus called the twelve of them and said, "If anyone wants to be first, the, shout, the wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all." And he took a child and placed him among them, and taking him in his arms. He said to them, "Whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me. Whoever receives me does not receive me. Who does? I'm sorry. Whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me, and otherwise the Father." So let me read that again. He took a child, set it in his lap, and said to them, "Whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me. And whoever you actually receive me, you're not receiving me, you're receiving the Father who sent me." So let me hear you say connection. Connection. If you want to come into the kingdom, you must become like a what? Like a little child. Not foolish, right? Not childish behavior. You must go back to that 0 to 18 month time. Where all you know is connection, not words. All you know is love that is actually poured into you that causes your brain to say, I am loved, I am loved, I am loved, before you even have words. Right. You receive that love. Okay, so flip down now. To verse 2, verse 47. or I'm sorry, 40, 42. I think I'm going to need to get reading glasses. Y'all can pray for my eyes here. No, I'm not going to put on. I'm not, my my vanity is still there yet. I'll have to work on that one. All right. How do you do this? Wow. First, I'm not looking at y'all because I'll lose it. Let's actually go to 41 real quick. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. So there's a reward in becoming leaven. Verse 42. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it's better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and be thrown into the sea. That's a heavy verse right there. God, that hurts. That's a heavy verse right there. That's a heavy verse. But what he says is, come to me like a little child. And he picks up a child and he says, this right here, if you receive this child, child mindset, you know what a kingdom mindset begins with? Data." before they have dada as a word. All they know is I am loved. And everything inside of me comes alive because I've been loved. And he says, now, if you receive this child and you receive the mindset, this is what I want to get to. I never would have thought about this way. What he's given them is an example. Think like this and you'll receive me. That was better than you thought. If anyone's going to come into the kingdom, you must become like a little child. Receive me like this mindset, and you'll receive me. Change the way you think. Think only from the lens of love. What point in the Bible did it ever say, and when you grow older, you have permission to take on the mindset of the world that's loss and judgment and, I don't know, I'm just kind of feeling a little shaky about this thing. I, I become suspicious. Nowhere. become take on this mindset this one received me already this one is in the kingdom receive me like that because if you can't you begin to take people who've received them with the purity of a child and through judgment and condemnation we actually cause the little one to come into sin why because it changes the way they think to start to consider maybe i'm not loved And what is sin? Separation from the one who loves you. Come on, this is good. What is actual sin? I'm not talking about the behavior. Sin is separation from the one who actually loves you. So therefore, if you're going to love one another as I have loved you, you really have to treat each other as a tender, precious child. Who in this room would walk up to an infant? My little spiritual grandbaby, Naraya. She's, she's probably back there. I love, I love that little girl. She's full of joy, full of life. Who would walk into this room and start going, You're ugly! Why would you? But why do we treat each other sometimes in the body of Christ in that same way? Can we get real? On the flip side of this is called beloved identity that allows us to transform an orphan world to say, you've always been loved. You've always been loved. Oh, my God, you're amazing. What do you do when you see a baby? Oh, you're so cute. I just want to hug you. I just want to hug you. I want to protect you. I want to provide for you. There's some instinct that rises up that we want to protect that. What I'm telling you is protect that mindset. Don't let an enemy come and steal the purity of a kingdom mindset from you because he's using offense of something else that you couldn't control. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm not done yet. Listen to this. It's, it's gonna get uglier, I'm just telling you. But I want you to see this from a kingdom mindset. I avoided preaching on these messages, this, this verses, because it was too like ugly. It's talking about hell and it's like I don't want to spend time in here. I want to show you a kingdom mindset in this. Look at the beauty of this. Verse 43. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than have your two hands to go to hell into the unquenchable fire. And if your foot's causing you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life with one foot than having your both feet to be thrown into the fire of hell. And if your eye causes you to sin... Throw it away. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be thrown into hell. What is it talking about? What is a hand? Hand is prophetic in, a, in a imagery for authority, for power. God, stretch out your mighty hand and perform signs, miracles, and wonders, it says in Acts. Hand. If what you've given your mindset over is giving you authority and power that's separate from, it'd be better to, to jettison that thing because it's a, it's a hellacious mindset that will only kill you. It's not saying you're supposed to be maimed. What it's saying is what you partner with is going to maim you whether you know it or not. It's actually hamstringing the way you think. It's actually causing you to have a lens that's not a kingdom mindset. And you're like, I know I'm supposed to forgive, but I don't know how to forgive. It's because you've allowed this power inside of you. It's time to cut it off and throw it into the fire. What is feet? Blessed are the feet of those who bring the what? The good news of the gospel of Jesus. Feet are meant to be what? What you stand on, what's your firm foundation, but it's meant to carry a message. And when I allow myself to get into a mindset that's not the kingdom mindset, what ends up happening is this, is I carry a message of condemnation. I carry a message of judgment. I carry a message, and everywhere we go, and he's saying, man, it would be better for you to cut that thing off of what you've been walking in than to let it consume you on the earth. This is not talking about eternity. This is talk about hell on earth. There is a real hell, and that's where there's eternal punishment. What I'm talking is right now, You don't have to have a living hell. Heaven invade earth, not hell invade earth. It was not as it is in hell, let it be here on the earth. Well, why is that a reality? Because heaven hasn't been allowed to invade earth through kingdom mindset, kingdom hands, and kingdom feet. What's the eye? The way you perceive. The lens that's on your heart, the way you view God, the way you view yourself, the way you view others. And what he's saying is this, it'd be better right now to jettison that perception so you can actually have the kingdom perspective. You don't need it to live. Actually, it will only kill you. And he comes into this place and says, let those who have eyes, let them See, perception. He who has ears, let him hear. Pat was saying something last week and it triggered me, um, not in a bad way. But immediately I had a vision of when Jesus is being arrested after the Garden of Gethsemane. And Peter pulls out his sword out of righteous indignation, but more than that, Fear. Caused him to pull out his sword and cut off the ear of the soldier. You could tell this guy, I mean, like, if you ever had a head wound, head wounds bleed. It's not a pretty thing. And so you imagine this ear being cut off. It's bleeding. The guy's probably yelling and screaming what's going on. And Jesus looks at him like, dude, come on. Picks it up, puts it back on his ear, and heals him. What was he doing? Peter, in that moment, out of fear and not having a kingdom mindset, used the authority he'd been given with his hand and his tongue to cut off the ear, which cut off the capacity for that soldier to ever want to hear the gospel of Jesus. (laughs) What does Jesus do? Oh, no, no, no. This one's coming into the kingdom. I'm going to make sure I restore to him his ability to hear the fact that I love him. And so I'm going to pick his ear up. I'm going to heal it. And we don't know this. We don't have stories. I'm just telling you, I have a, a mindset that Peter eventually went back to that guy. And said, dude, I'm so sorry that I did that. I did not understand what I was doing. And that soldier was able to receive the gospel of Jesus when Peter preached it. But when we allow offense to happen, we cut ourselves off in the ability to hear somebody that's actually telling us that God loves us. In Revelation, it says when he comes back, it gives this imagery that Jesus opens his mouth and a two-edged sword comes out. Power of the tongue. Notice it didn't say take your tongue and throw it into the fires of hell. Because the tongue is only the overflow of your heart. The way you think, the way you perceive, the way you do. So he tells you, lose whatever you've got in power over you. Take whatever you've actually had a mindset, throw it into the fires of hell. Take what you've been staying on. If it's not a kingdom mindset, jettison it. Take the way you've been perceiving, pluck that thing out. Put on the fires of hell. Let it be crucified on the cross with Christ. Get rid of it. It's no longer yours. So that you might see, you might be able to walk out and carry a gospel that's not cutting the ears off of people, but actually now becomes the word of the Spirit that says this. It penetrates down deep into the heart so they can receive the gospel of Jesus. This is a convicting message, I know. And if you haven't had a problem with it, it's okay. It's okay. Well, what I'm telling you is, there's more. Jesus is serious about reaching a lost world. And he's serious about seeing his body first healed. He's not looking for a limping bride. Come follow Jesus. It's going to really suck a little bit, but... How many people have ever had the thought or somebody told you, man, my lost friends treat me better than my saved friends? And we got a limp that was caused by someone else in the body, not the world. How about we become one? So wouldn't you stand up with me? Cornelius, if you give me some music, I'd appreciate it. Thank you, Kelly. We did some business earlier during worship. But I really want to empower us to move into the new thing. Not because we're trying to avoid the fires of hell. That was not the point of the story. But because we're called to release the love of heaven into the earth. That if he gave us a new commandment, we do it out of connection with him so we can connect with each other in the body of Christ so that we can connect the body of Christ with the lost world so right where you're at I just want you to close your eyes and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit what are you saying to me today Is there anything I've given my hand to, that I've given power to, that causes me to think differently than you? Is there anything that I've been standing in or a message I've been carrying that's actually contrary to the message of the gospel of reconciliation? Is there any way I've been perceiving? Maybe because people have done things to me. Maybe it's direct abuse or neglectful abuse. They were missing. And it's caused you to have a perception that's different than what reality is found in the kingdom. Holy Spirit, will you just reveal it to me right now? if you brought something to your mind, again, no ga- guilt, shame, or condemnation, that's another voice. Shut that voice down and listen to the voice of love that says, I love you so much that I will not allow what the enemies meant for evil to have root inside of you anymore. Because that's hurting the object of my love, which is you. If he showed you something, I want you just in this moment, say, Jesus... I confess that I've allowed this thing, name it what it is, to take up more influence in my heart than you. But I'm going to renew my mind. I'm going to be transformed by changing the way I've thought to come into alignment the way you think. Now I ask him, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to move in power through my hands? Holy Spirit, how do you want me to walk and carry? Who, after today, am I supposed to maybe even go and reconcile with? Where are my feet supposed to carry me to? So that can bring a message of reconciliation and restoration in my family, in the body of Christ, and somewhere else. God, how do you want me to see your way? Would you just give me eyes to see as you see these other people? I just hear right now, there's some in the room that you actually don't have a judgment against anybody else. You actually have a judgment against yourself because a religious spirit came and told you you should feel guilty about the thing you struggled with. Instead of the Lord going, no, 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 there's no guilt, shame, condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. Just let me heal your broken heart. Let me love you. And with that same love, love me back. Let me love you. And as I've loved you, then love one another. And I just thank you, Father, that you're doing something new that we are a bride, we're a family that's coming into unity of the Holy Spirit, one faith, one Lord, one Savior, one identity called the Bride of Christ. So I thank you that you're empowering people right now and that you're taking what the enemy meant for evil. Turn the tide and use it for your good things real quick if you're in this place and you've not yet been born again this message doesn't make any sense until you give your life fully to Jesus so just have your way right now Jesus in every heart every mind every life let me declare this in your name and all God's people's name Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.